When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Minnesota sports fans, we know all too well how it feels to sign up for a lifetime of purple pain. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. What's going on, everybody? Your Monday edition of Before We Die. I'm Jesse Pierce. You may know me from NHL.com, Bar Down Beauty's podcast, but given Vikings a uh, a try this season because I have been a purple diehard since 1998. I'm just kidding. It's actually when they first broke my heart. It was a sad time. This life chose me. I did not choose it. He's Thor Nystrom from Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros, and he's been losing on the Vikings since, I don't know, what, 2000, Thor? What, what do we got? Thor's too... Thor's too cool to talk to us. He yeah. muted himself. I knew I knew he was not going to hit that button. Like, he's just... He, he came in on time today, guys. And I thought we were going to go off and all right, there we go. Technology, it's way above my pay grade. But since 1984, since the day I was born, baby. Just losing money. And Ross Brendel, our producer, he enjoys the Vikings pain as we all do because it just lets you know that you're still alive. Right? Right, Ross? Sometimes you got to have that pain to know you're still breathing. I mean, I felt like I lost all of my emotions this weekend, but again, this is Purple Dailies before we die on Score North. Uh, Thanks for joining us this Monday. Minnesota Vikings, ladies and gentlemen, they win. I should be elated. I should be thrilled. 29-22 victory over the Chicago Bears. Move to 4-1 and one on the season. But I'm not happy, guys. The emotions I have are not happy. This little guy, he ain't happy either. Um, because a 21-3 first-half lead falters, Chicago scores 19. I wish I could draw in the bread in the PBJ situation, but I can't. Um, you know, it, it was just a bad, bad comeback um, for bad letdown for Minnesota. They get the win. But again, my emotions, they're dead. I'm dead on the inside these days, guys. Yeah, we were I, I was watching the game with some buddies at the Moose that the Moose Bar in Northeast and the Vikings jumped out to that 21 to three lead and Cousins could not miss literally at the beginning of the game win 17 for 17 to begin the game, a franchise record. And the, the Vikings jump out to that enormous lead. Justin Jefferson had a, over 130 receiving yards in the first half. J- j- just dominant to begin. And then before you know it, you look, you know, dar- it started with that Darnell Mooney ridiculous catch downfield. And and that didn't concern you because you're like, oh, you know, we're, we're up 18, even when they scored the, the touchdown. But then it was like before you knew it, all of a sudden it was 22 to 21 Bears. And you're like, oh, oh, my God. It just it got away so quickly. And, you know, the the Vikings, you know, ended up winning by by seven. And that's that's great. That's the story. The Vikings being in 
sole possession of first place of, of the NFC North and, and really having a, a two-game lead when you count in the tiebreakers. But yeah, there there's plenty of stuff to work on um, for sure. But, you know, again, positive being four and one, first place of the division, when you know that there's several things that you can still improve on that hopefully will improve. A lot of improvements to be made. We'll talk about the positive things as well. I think my bigger, again, frustration, and it continues, you're not like you're not battling adversity to win these games, right? It's it's not a challenge because, oh, you're, you've got injuries or you've got bad calls going away. You're battling adversity because you're letting yourself down. You're not finishing the game. You're making mistakes that are very avoidable. So that, to me, is where the frustration lies. It's Again, it's not, oh, well, you're eking out these victories and those are going to be the hard-fought ones that matter in the end. No, you're losing to yourself for the most part. I mean, really, it's, again, some of those mistakes, some of those things that can be cleaned up. Uh, again, you mentioned Kirk Cousins, Thor. Yeah, love him or hate him every time. Hot start for Kirk Cousins, you guys. Love to see it. He was clutch in the fourth again, which is something that we've seen consistently out of him this season. But how great was it to see him throw 17 straight completions um, and just come out the gate roaring like we had suggested on last Thursday's episode as being the key to getting this victory? Uh, it, it was fabulous. And and you knew you were going up against a, a poor defense in a prototypical Kirk Cousins spot, you know, a, a, a nooner at home. And that that bad defense, the Bears defense, did not have their their best cornerback in, in Johnson. The kid from Utah was out. So y- you knew you were in this extremely advantageous spot. You wanted to see the Vikings come out and blow this, this team out. You know, we, we talked about this last week after you'd had all this procession of close wins. And that's exactly what it looked like it was going to be for the, you know, first, you know, half of the game or whatever. And then, like I said, before you knew it, it would you know, snap your finger. And the Bears not only were back in the game, they were actually leading it, um, which which is just a, a wild turn of events. I'm sure we'll talk about it here in, in a little bit. I'm getting quite annoyed with Mr. Ed Donatel. Uh, <laughs> all Justin Fields needed to look like a competent quarterback again was facing an Ed Donatel defense. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that for sure. But, you know, again, the, the, the Vikings do, do come out with a win and several players had awesome games that the offensive line in particular for the Vikings looked very, very good uh, yesterday. And also Delvin Cook uh, looked reinvigorated running behind that very good offensive line as well. So you had several positive performances. I was going to say, yeah. Thor, stay on course here. We're talking positives first before we get negative Nancy on these. Folks, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Before. Before we rip Ed Onatel, because there's no D in Donatel, uh, Kirk Cousins, we got the full Kirk Cousins experience yesterday. We got noon game Kirk for the first half. Okay, so that was great. Check that box. We got 2022 Kirk. All he does is lead the team from behind to win football games. Now we just need to get full game Kirk. That would be that would be great for eliminating the second half letdowns where you have to come back to win the game overall. Again, I feel like I've now said this. I probably have three straight podcasts. You still have to feel good. You're four and one. You now lead the division all by yourself. Thanks for the help. New York giants. And again, if you're going to be critical of Kirk cousins, like I often have been, I think you need to praise him when it merits it, no matter who the opponent is, when you can lead your team down the field and win a football game late, that's big time stuff. Can they do it against some of the better teams that they'll face? Time will tell. Or maybe hopefully time won't tell. Maybe you're just dominating the game and you don't need to come from behind. But I think that's what we are really looking forward to as we already start to approach 
almost the middle portion of the schedule. We're mm-hmm. five down, 12 to go. I mean, it's looking good. Like you said, you got to give Kirk uh, credit where credit is due. The entire Vikings team, however, I was like in Mortal Kombat watching that game when they're up and they're just destroying them. I'm like, finish them and like wanting something aggressive, a bunch of uh, extra, extra violent touchdowns. I did not see any out of Adam Thielen. That sucked. But uh, no, Kirk Cousins did well. JJ did well. Uh, They said it from Kirk Cousins. He said, I'm not where I was at the end of last season in that old system, but we're developing it and we're getting there. And I'm excited about that continued growth. Now, I think we can all be very excited about that continued growth again when you get that win uh, down for the team at the end of it. JJ, let's talk about Justin Jefferson. In the first quarter alone, seven catches for 91 yards on single defenders, a career-high 12 receptions, 13 targets for 154 yards. He leads the NFL, you guys, with 547 receiving yards and is second only to L.A. Rams and former KOC receiver Cooper Cup with 40 receptions. Um, I mean, J.J. seems to, again, be doing all. I know we questioned it, although he had an easy task, right? He had single defenders for the very beginning of the game, which was just irresponsible out of Chicago. Uh, But I think he's starting to kind of learn the different formations. You see him be much more successful on the left side, but you're also seeing quite a few movements from the slot and, and up the right. I mean, I think that's a positive thing knowing that Jefferson is getting more comfortable in those different spots in the formation. Thousand percent. And we knew coming out of LSU, this is one of the great things about Jefferson. He cooked people everywhere at LSU. So, I mean, like coming in, you know, a, a lot of college receivers, you know, whether they're, fixed at one spot in the alignment or whether they're a boundary receiver that's been on both the outsides, but haven't done as much stuff in the slot Jefferson in 2018, the season before the historic season, he was, he was a boundary receiver. And then in 2019, when it was Burrow and Jamar chase and and Terrace Marshall, when, when they became truly dominant LSU, they moved Jefferson inside. And that's when he had the, the truly insane season, but we've seen him excel, you know, in, in college at both of them. And now it seems like O'Connell is going to use the full manifestation of Jefferson's powers. And that's what we've been advocating for, of course, as well, with, with the motion, with, with getting him involved at different spots in the alignment, uh, keeping the defense off the beat of, of the scent of where he's going to end up in the alignment and, and different stuff like that. So that that's all beautiful to see. Um, it, it was really cool, too, um, that the, 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 the thing about him passing Randy Moss and, and catches in his first three seasons – uh, Jefferson is now up to 236 uh, in 36 games. Uh, Moss had 226 in 48 uh, to show you how what a historic pace that Jefferson is already on early on. And now that he gets to play out uh, a, a, what should be, hopefully, knock on wood, a, a good portion of his career with Kevin O'Connell, you would expect that to just keep accelerating up. So it's all positive with Justin Jefferson. And albeit the Bears, I think not only is it important that J.J. is learning how to utilize himself in the KOC offense, I think it's important that the telecast showed it yesterday. KOC scheming up things were essentially J.J. for the most part is just kind of a dummy. He's clearing space. It's well, he's not a dummy. It's a dummy yeah, route. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You, you know, know we, where we I'm got going. You. We got I'll t- you. I'll take heat for that in the comments. <laughs> uh, comment on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Please do that. But they're using him to clear space for the K.J. Osbournes, for the Adam Thielens, for the Irv Smiths, 
for the Johnny Munts. So that's good to see, too, on days where, look, they might put two or three defenders on Justin Jefferson. You're going to need to be able to do those things. And I thought that that was a good sign yesterday if we're sticking with the theme of the good before we talk about the bad. We got, you know, we're keeping the fans interested, you guys. This is for you. We're staying positive to start again. A win is a win. So that's positive. Uh, another positive on the offense, Delvin Cook, ladies and gentlemen. We're seeing a good split between Cook and Madison, but man, oh man, was he cooking pun, obviously very much intended. Uh, looked fantastic. Catching passes in the backfield. Um, what was your guys' perception of of how Dalvin's played? And again, now that we're five games, games in, he's healthy, he's doing things right. I mean, this is what we've wanted and expected all along, right? Delvin looked great. Uh, best game of the season. Uh, and, and we had talked about how we wanted the the timeshare between him and Madison to get closer to, to 60-40 when, you know, earlier in the season when Delvin did not look quite as explosive. Yesterday, the, the, the snap share was Delvin got 45 snaps, Madison got 34. Is it any coincidence that Delvin looked the most explosive that he had been all season? And not particularly close, by the way. Just looked absolutely fabulous. And, you know, like I mentioned before, the offensive line played just awesome yesterday. Mm -hmm. So so that definitely helped. But Delvin looked noticeably, like I said, the the acceleration was there. The footwork looked better than than it had been uh, earlier in the season as well. So so that stuff was all working. And I I think that the fact that you can keep him fresher during the game it just helps him more. I mean, it's, it's 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 no knock on Delvin Cook when you're an NFL running back and you get up to the age that he is now. It, it, that just happens. You don't mm-hmm. need him on the field every single snap of the game when you have a back the quality of Alexander Madison. And Madison, he played uh, way better earlier in the season. I didn't think yesterday was was his best game of the year by by any means. But he doesn't take stuff off the table when when he's on the field. So getting getting him work, especially on the passing downs and getting Delvin a blow for those so that Delvin's, you know, 100 percent when he's in, when you need him to run the ball. That's what you want for this offense. And yesterday I thought it worked beautifully. Delvin Cook netting a 75.3 PFF grade, his best of the season. So that's definitely positive. Can I do an aside here, guys? Alexander Madison might be one of the funniest players on the Vikings did you guys see their you know they have their riddle cam coming off the field did you guys see last week's riddle cam I did not see the oh last oh my week. gosh it was it was him and oh Thor is gonna come at me it was a an Iowa State player as well that is on the Vikings team Keen and Kenne Wongwu yep him it was those two that guys guy. that guy the riddle was <laughs> what can you put in a bucket to make it way less Oh, there you go. Nailed it. All right. But it didn't take, it took those two guys quite a bit longer, but they were hilarious in their approach. Like Madsen starts to kind of rap and he's getting really aggressive with it. And he's like, no, you know what we got to do is we got to leave and come back with a new group and pretend like it's the first time. And like, I don't know. It was just, it was absolutely hilarious. So shout out to Alexander Madsen because I found him very entertaining. Like I've watched that quite a few times and I laugh every time like it's the first uh so shout out to them shout out to the vikings for producing content that gets us uh some good sites speaking of again pff speaking of positives the offensive line we've Mm. mentioned it quite a few times already in this week's episode by far the best showing that we have seen from the offensive line we've we've talked at length about christian derisaw and how explosive he's been how great he has been uh but or on sunday excuse me they truly shine. Ezra Cleveland, 90 PFF. He topped the team. Christian Derrissaw, 82.9. Brian O'Neill, 73.9. 
and even Garrett Bradbury getting in the mix, 72.1. Ironically, the only O-lineman who didn't grade as well, Ed Ingram, who we've been so thrilled with. I mean, he still did just fine, but it wasn't as well as he's done in the past. But guys, what can we say about this O-line? I also want to give a shout out to uh, the third down offense. Best outing yet, probably converting on 12 of 15 and all five final drives. Love to see it. The offensive line was fabulous. Uh, in particular, the left side of the offensive line, which was almost immaculate. Uh, between Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, and Bradbury, zero pressures allowed in 129 combined pass pro reps. Just a race that, that side of the, of, of the Bears line. You love to see that. Ezra Cleveland, uh, going back to PFF grades, which again, I always give the caveat that they're not the be all end all, but they're, you know, I mean, it's, you know, in, in terms of a general thing, um, Ezra Cleveland had a 90.0 PFF grade, uh, yesterday, 90 is always sort of the threshold for elite. Mm-hmm. Um, loved, love to see that, um, Darisa with another game over 80, um, and he was over, Darisa was over 90 in the past blocking. No one was even close. The, the, the guy that was on Darius never even got close to, to Cousins. Uh, Darius, uh, I, I think I talked about him last week, and I got reticent when I was about to say the word elite with him because I, I don't want to go over over the top. Uh, I'm getting closer to, to saying the word elite. He is he is moving you need in to on, watch more pj apparently apparently <laughs> he he's moving in on on being i mean he's for sure going to the pro bowl this year he very 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 well may be an all pro uh left tackle this year i think right now in the pff grades in all of football i believe he is a top three graded tackle like to right now he he is playing so well both both you know in in the run game for sure but in the past game he has just been so good and it makes Cousins' job so much easier. Mm-hmm. He, he's been awesome. But then Cleveland's game has stepped up. Uh, Bradbury's game has stepped way up. Bradbury's gone from a one of the worst centers in the league to, like, at least an average starter. A competent then, set, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, mm-hmm. you, you know, and then at the, the other guard spot, whereas before you had you, you, you had Flotsam there, Ed Ingram, you know, yesterday wasn't wasn't his best game for sure. But, you know, right now, he's you'd probably consider him a league average guard because in the run game, he's he's already really good. And in the past game, it's it hit or miss. You know, mm-hmm. like he struggles against the crafty veterans with, with, with the moves is, is what it is. He's he going to figure that out. But the, the rookie year, it might, it might be hit or miss. But the, the pass protection that Cousins gets is consistently very good. And that's going to pretend well. But hats off to the left side of the offensive line in particular. Hats off to, to, to Cleveland. And in particular, hats off to Christian Darrisaw, who, as I said last week, is a star. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the Kirk Cousins pulling a Michael Vick at the end too with that run? <laughs> I was like, who is this? Who is this guy at quarterback? Like, it was a, it was a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, it was just he gets that time and and he went. I mean, I think that in addition to some of the creativity you saw out of the offense on Sunday too, we saw a wide receiver throwback and a flea flicker oh, yeah. tight end screen. Um, you know, not successful, but. As uh, Ross has pointed out to us off the air, the creativity is there, which is makes it fun, even, you know, it doesn't always work out. I think if you're going to run that play, maybe you want to put it in the hands of a wide receiver. But again, as we, as we as we have alluded to, the creativity is nice to see. The wide receiver throwback was fun. The motions have been fun to see. 
I really think a lot of what we talk about with the offense where they have the gaps in games where they're not scoring or it looks disjointed, I really think that that will figure itself out. Now, I know I keep saying that every week and we're kind of going through the motions, but I still have faith that that will work itself out because I trust Kevin O'Connell and I trust the offense. And let's be honest, you guys might disagree with me, but I think there's far more talent on the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings than there is on the defensive side of the ball. So I trust that the players will figure it out and that it will all come together. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, derail your thoughts, Jesse, or where you were going to go. But I think it. I think it's time we rip the bandaid off this. Uh, oh, it's ready. I was okay. Ready. Let's I, I, let's go. I was starting let's to go. Feel too like happy, you know. Like <laughs> I just was kind of like, mm. you know, it wasn't a perfect a, game by any means. Let me stretch it out before as a closet, I talk. As a closet Packers fan, you were too positive for the first twenty minutes. So let's get negative. No, that was kind of how I felt going into my fantasy football game this week. I was very, very positive. I was like, you know what? We got this. Derrick Henry popping off. Love to see it. Uh, Obligatory fantasy football mention. Had to get it in there. So had good. to get it in there. And then I lost because I went up against Josh Allen and Delvin Cook. So that was fun. Um, So similar to that, there was a downfall in the Minnesota Vikings that obviously led to 19 straight points from the Chicago Bears, kept it as close as they did. And that is, as has been a theme, um, the defense, which just continues to struggle over and over and over again. And sure, we can pump up uh, Cam Dantzler's game-winning strip of former Viking Amir Smith-Marset, but... Otherwise, I just I don't know. There's there still is no change, you guys. Like, I don't know how you force Ed Dantel to change when he clearly needs to. There's clearly holes. There's clearly gaps, breakdowns, everything, every negative word. Throw it at this defense because it just it's not making the cut again. If you can't stop Justin Fields in a very weak Chicago offense, there's something seriously wrong. You can't count on just the offense to carry you to victory. The defense has to start pulling their weight, too. A thousand percent. Yeah. And like I said before, I'm, I'm getting real sick of Donatel. Uh, you, you know, the, the talent, it's not awesome. So I, I will give him that, that slight caveat where mm-hmm. uh, across the field, you know, there's, you have a couple guys that are above average, but th- there's a lot of starters that are either, you know, you know, in, in terms of the NFL are either average or, or below average, but you do have some, some really good players. It's just that they're being misused, right? Like, I mean, we'll we'll go to the two obvious examples. Harrison Smith, who's mm-hmm. one of the best box safeties in the NFL, one one of the most like havoc creating safeties in the NFL, and he is miles away from the box on every single play because Donatel loves playing his two deep safety thing. So so Harrison Smith on most plays doesn't get anywhere near the ball just because of what the alignment is, and there situationally there are times that dictate. Hey, Ed, you mind bringing Harrison closer to the effing ball? Like, in this situation, you mind, Ed? You, like, do you mind? And then and then the other one, of course, being uh, Daniil Hunter. And it's tough, right? Like, he's yeah. been a 4-3, a stud 4-3 defensive end his entire career with his hand in the dirt. And now you're moving him to the 3-4 outside linebacker. And, yes, it's going to be a transition, period, right? Like, he's doing different stuff now. It, it, it's a different alignment. You know, he's, he's it's, it's different rushing, you know, from – from a stand-up, you know, a hand in the dirt, et cetera. Um, but it has been an extremely slow a- acclimation. And then the, the, the thing that that's frustrating me about Donatel with, with him on the field, because I don't know how he's teaching Hunter in practice. Like, I'm not there. But, like, 
he is dropping Hunter into coverage and into space far too often. Like Hunter should be rushing the passer on every single play, right? Like every single time you drop Hunter into space, the opposing offensive coordinator is like, yes, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's what, it's what they want. And it's, it's happening too often. And, and Hunter has acquitted himself a little bit better in space than, than I, I probably thought he would, but you're again, you're taking him away as a pass rusher when you do that. And he has also been far worse as a pass rusher than I expected him to be in the system so far. So that that needs to get figured out. And you also start need to start sending him more and maybe that will help out as well, but something needs to get figured out there. And if he's just not a fit in this scheme, I, I'm not willing to say that yet, but if, if that referendum is decided upon, then you got to either fire Donatel or you got to you trade Hunter. You can't just leave him out there as a below average starter with the value that you know he has as a 4-3 defensive end. Trade him mm-hmm. to a 4-3 team and get some real value back if that's what it's going to be. But this is getting really awkward with Daniel Hunter. He did not play well yesterday against the Bears. Yeah, and Thor, we've talked about this. Uh, the, uh, the issue that I have with the scheme might just be that you're relying too much on your front three or four when you send one to get pressure. Well, if they're not getting pressure, it's leaving guys wide open because of how far back the safeties and the cornerbacks are. And again, I've said this now a few weeks in a row. I don't care if that's what you're doing 60, 70% of the time, whatever, that's your scheme. I get it. You're going to live by that. You're going to die by that. But have some variations, yes. have some wrinkles. That's right. Do some things a little bit differently throughout the game. Make some adjustments. Yeah. You can't allow a guy like Justin Fields, who is struggling with confidence, has one wide receiver, albeit very good, to throw to. And Cole Komet, who hasn't done much all season, suddenly catches 25 balls yesterday. <laughs> you can't allow a guy like that to get comfortable and stay in the game. And I'll say this, the Vikings offense did some of that. They let the Bears hang around, too. Right. It's not it's not all on the defense, but it's an alarming trend seeing it now for five straight weeks. And you can see how this trend will hurt them and come back to bite them in the you-know-what when they play better teams and better offenses, including this upcoming weekend against Miami, no matter who their starting quarterback is. It's got to get figured out. You're not going to fire a guy after five games. My biggest complaint has been, or the biggest way I've tried to sell it to people, I don't know if it's all Ed Donatel or if it's just that a lot of your best players on defense are aging players. My guess is it probably meets somewhere in the middle. But if it's going to meet somewhere in the middle because of that, then the defense should start to meet somewhere in the middle, right? It's just got to get incrementally better by the week, and it just hasn't. I mean, I think that's the problem, too, is they're coming up and being clutch when they need to, right? You talk about Cam Dancy, you're talking about them shutting down. They're very opportunistic in that sense, and that's great, but it's also luck. I mean, you look at the way the Vikings have won just the past two stripping that ball. You could say there's obviously skill there, too, but that's also partially luck, like Miramar said should have gotten out of bounds, should have pushed a little. I mean, that was just partial luck. And I mean, and even how many times, Patrick, yeah, how many times are you going to rip a ball out of somebody's hands? Right. To it win doesn't the happen. Like, for sure, it doesn't sure. happen like, much. Even cornerback Patrick Peterson in our second, they said it had mentioned lady luck. The ball is falling our way, but we were put in these situations last, last year, having most of the guys back. They understand how to prevail. You can't rely on that. Like, I don't like it. That doesn't give me any confidence. And I also am 
concerned at the lack of just general aggressiveness that Ed Dantel's defense seems to have, especially in the secondary. Like there is just no, I don't even want to say urgency. There's just literally no aggressive manner to them. I'm not talking about blitzing necessarily more. It's just in general, like attack, like do something. And it's increasingly frustrating. It's Um, I just, yeah. I mean, that's, it's a problem. It's not a a recipe for success, especially in the long term. The defensive scheme of intentionally not having cornerbacks or safeties anywhere near wide receivers and tight ends sure is interesting and bold, but at least to this point, the team is four and one. I said this yesterday too, uh, uh, at Brendel Ross on the Twitter machine, people are wondering, well, where are the receivers? Where are the safeties? Why aren't they covering anybody? It's really hard to cover the opponent when you're lining up in St. Paul and the game is in Minneapolis. <laughs> it's really, really tough to do that. Yikes. I mean, it's just, sorry. That is, it's, it's a problem. It's just, I don't know. I don't know I, what I, to do. I, I do want to say since we're ripping on the secondary, and, and they do deserve to be ripped on because every mm-hmm. one of them except for one played bad, but I do want to shout out the one that played, had an awesome game. Cam Dantzler played awesome. It yeah, wasn't he just, did. He saved the game at the very end, of course, ripping it away from Smith-Marset, but he had an awesome game before that. that again, the, the rest of them, you throw away the game that they had. They, they did not play well. But Cam Dantzler had an awesome game, and it, continuing a season where he has played very, very well, taking a step forward. Yeah. Did anybody on defense uh, in the post game tell us to STFU this week, or was that just a <laughs> is that just a one game thing? If they that, listen to this podcast, they might. Uh, Donatel <laughs> might be telling us to STFU. Yeah, my husband definitely said STFU to me because uh, he listened to my prediction for Adam Thielen and three touchdowns. So he switched from Justin Jefferson in one of his uh, prop bets, and and he shouldn't have done that. That was a problem. So I, I think he ended up winning. I think. Adam Thielen still got him the yards that were needed, but not easily like we projected. But seriously, listen to us here. We know all, we tell all. If not, it's fun talking about it. If not, we make it up, right? We make it up, and we will say it in a convincing manner that makes you believe it. So what's true, what's not, who knows? Hiding behind the curtain. Anyway, that's just a bunch of words I just spouted out there. As we wrap things up here on our Monday edition of Before We Die, um, let's wrap it up with, as always, our Before We Dies. Time now for the Before We Die crew to give us their Before We Dies. Look at producer Ross just coming through with the uh, the inserts. Love it. We love Skull. It. Skull. <laughs> we, we, Who's we starting? Production value now. I, I, I'll go first. Let's go yeah, I, I'll go first. Um, I would like before I die for the Vikings to make uh, a trade before the trade deadline. Now that the Vikings are a legitimate contender at four and one uh, specifically, I would like one trade each for the offense and the defense, maybe, maybe a couple trades for the defense and, and maybe a coordinator firing as well, but the well, on offense, I, just I, settle I down on one here, man. You okay. Well, on, on, on offense, I would like to get a true inline tight end um, and, Irv had a, Irv had a saw game uh, yesterday, but uh, I I don't think that Irv is a is a real inline tight end like I've talked about before. Uh, I I would like him to be more of a niche uh, uh, matchup specific kind of player, and for us to get a a, a true inline tight end. So I, I would like to see a trade for that, and then I would like to see a trade for a cornerback on defense. So that's what I would like to see before I die. I like it. Rob. Before before we die, I thought about this yesterday, and the Vikings. Long history of struggling to win games at Soldier Field. 
before I'm going to steal a page out of Thor's book where he just kind of makes up his own before I die. <laughs> it doesn't really play within the rules before I die this season. The Vikings will go to Soldier Field in week 17 and win or lose. The result won't matter because I oh. I'm already worried about or week 18. Sorry, I'm already ending the season there and needing a win for it to, you know, make you the number one seed or needing a win to win the division. I want no part of crappy Soldier Field turf when it's eight degrees outside and muddy. I want nothing to do with that. So before I die, that week 18 game will mean nothing. Love it. Before I die, Kirk Cousins is going to have his own chain um, that you will be able to purchase (laughs) as well at fan stores. It sounds like great stuff, but I want a Kirk Cousins to have his own chain at the end of the season. Hopefully it's by the end of the season, if not earlier. Uh, it just seems right. Let's 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 give him a little bit of cool, right? Let's give him a little bit of Joe Cool edge, uh, just because I would really appreciate. And then we'll that. all wear it on an episode. Well, there you go. Exactly. Sounds simple enough. Again, this is Purple Dailies before we die on Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce, usual cover of the National Hockey League, but also covering the Minnesota Vikings here every Monday and Thursday with you guys. He's Thor Nystrom for Fantasy Pros and betting pros, constantly losing money on the Minnesota Vikings and the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, as well as Ross Brendel, our producer, who enjoys the Vikings' pain like we all do. That's it. Have a great rest of the week. We'll see you guys on Thursday to preview the game against the Dolphins in Miami at noon on Sunday. Skull Vikings. For nine years, a dangerous man terrorized women, breaking into homes and raping his victims before killing a brilliant young scientist in 1998. The more the victims resisted, the more violent he became. Then he suddenly stops, leaving police with a lot of clues and one unknown subject. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare podcast series. Search American Nightmare podcast on all podcast platforms today. Okay.